Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. My name is Steve. I'm your host. Joining me, as always, is the forever beautiful Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you doing this week? Great. Feeling good after that compliment. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably the best we're going to feel all evening as we record, because we're about to talk about the 1993 piece of absolute trash, (laughs) Deadfall. But in... A fun way. Yeah, this movie was... We've talked about other garbage that we just kept looking at the clock and waiting for it to be over, but I was I was a little disappointed when this ended. <laughs> oh my god, I was not disappointed when this ended. Or, or, well, yeah, I was disappointed when this ended, but not because it ended. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But also disappointed when it ended. (laughs) Oh my god, the ending of this movie is terrible. Obviously, we'll get into it. Just a brief overview. I don't even know how to sum this movie up. It's a movie about con artists. Nick Cage is not the lead. Nick Cage plays kind of a drugged out weirdo, (laughs) which we will discuss in short order. But we like to begin the podcast with Hannah relaying a handful of stories, and I think she found a lot. About yeah, some behind-the-scenes stuff from the movie. Like a shack-sized handful. Like um, Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah. Or like, like, a, like, like his... a shack, like a small shed? No, like well, a small shed, <laughs> okay. which would be equivalent to the size of Shaquille O'Neal's hands. Right, gotcha. Okay, I see what you mean. Okay. So uh, the one other thing that um, I've, I always forget to do is talk about the ratings. And I think we mentioned it last week, but this movie is oh one God. of the few, one of the proud zero percents on rotten tomatoes give it up everybody yeah yeah let's hear it let's just hear it so you know fire studio audience all applauded yeah 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 they're behind the glass in the next room and they are cheering wildly Mm -hmm. yeah but that sounds terrifying <laughs> that we keep people behind no, no, like no, joe we're, goldberg we're behind oh yeah <laughs> so firebirds had 10 percent. we thought can it get any lower and then we remembered that we watched a nick cage movie that will be coming up much later in this podcast and that had one percent and then this movie I think it's a deserved 0%, but before we get into the plot... It had no merit value. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into the plot of the movie, like I was saying before, we're going to hear some behind the scenes or some background information from Hannah Martin. My gosh, where do I begin? Okay. (laughs) So this movie was directed by Chris Coppola. Right. Now, what is the relation between Nicolas Cage and Chris Coppola again? They are brothers. Brothers. Chris Coppola is Nicolas Cage's older brother. Wow. I looked up a picture of Chris Coppola. Weird looking man. Yeah. He's like a big dude, like a little kind of He looks a like he belongs guy. on Pawn Stars. <laughs> he does look like he <laughs> belongs on Pawn Stars. Yeah. He's he's a big guy. He's got a goatee. He's, his face sort of he looks like He wears a do-rag in most photos. That's true. And like big gold chains. Pawn yeah. Stars. So you talk about Chris Coppola... And then I have a little bit that I looked up about Chris Coppola that I think is interesting. Yeah, I have some words to share about what do you got? our friend Chris. Don't so, hold back. Yeah. So let's first say, talk about the relationship. You know, he and his brother Nick mm-hmm. are the nephews, as we've mentioned multiple times, of Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. So when you have an uncle who is such a renowned and celebrated director... You know, you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders to perform to the level of your family member. And let's just say that that weight came crashing down (laughs) on Mr. Christopher Coppola because this movie truly, truly um, was an embarrassment. (laughs) So let's start by saying this movie began with a $10 million budget. Yeah, I saw that on the IMDb. Which is funny because that's not... In fact, what it ended with. Wow. Okay. So there was a lawsuit. Okay. Well, let's first say it started with a $10 million budget and Val Kilmer and his wife, another Kilmer or his sister, another Kilmer. I don't recall. I have like 15 pages of 
articles open that I don't feel like searching through, but the Kilmers. Yeah. Can you explain who they are? It's another famous family. Well, I mean, Val Kilmer is a is a known actor. Val Kilmer, he, he played Batman, yeah. which, you know, I'm sure <laughs> not the best Batman, but he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, so he has that star quality sure. um, people would pay to come see his work in a movie. So, excuse me, originally Val Kilmer was going to be the lead. The I don't even remember the character's name. My, the Joe? Michael Bain plays Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The nephew. Yeah. Yeah. The lead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there's like three leads in that. Sort of, but yeah. And then it, and other Kilm- female Kilmer, <laughs> whatever going, relationship uh-huh. it is, was going to be the female lead. Okay. So I actually saw an article from like 1992. This movie came out in 1993. So they had just filming, started filming it in 92 where Chris Coppola was talking to some reporters about how excited he is to ramp up this production. And he mm-hmm. mentioned that the Kilmers were going to be in it mm-hmm. and his brother Nick Cage was going to be in it and like just getting the party started, really getting everybody yeah. amped up for this. Well, the Kilmers read the atrocious script yeah. and backed out. Yeah, I don't And then them. the, uh, I guess, investment company or whoever, how, however this works, the producer works with the studio they uh, minimized the budget after the Kilmers dropped out from ten million to three point four million dollars. Still too much, in my then, opinion. Hold on. Okay. At the end of production, they came in under budget. Okay. At two hundred and twenty thousand dollars under budget. Oh. After paying, the likes of Nicolas Cage. Charlie Sheen is in this movie. Some other, Talia Shire, some other really big names are in this movie and they still came under budget. So there was a lawsuit from the production company to the producer being like, hey, you guys made this shit awful. Right. And we we gave you more money to make it a little (laughs) bit better. Could you do something? Could you like finish it? Could anything? (laughs) And yeah. it's just funny because, like, I was reading in the lawsuit, this is the complete opposite of what usually happens. It's usually that, like, the mm. producer's fighting for more money from the production company. And in this case, it was just like, eh, we're good. Like, we can, we did it. Oh my God. It's like on those cooking shows when the person finishes, like, five minutes early and instead of, you know, enhancing yeah. their dish in any way, they're just like, eh, it's good. Yeah. How and many then they t- don't ever win. Right. How many times have they won? How many times have you seen on Chopped where people are like, I finished early, so I decided to just kind of clean up my station. And then the bell rings and they go, oh, I forgot the green beans. That, and that's that, the mystery they forgot, ingredient. They forgot the green beans. They forgot the green beans. They sure did. They truly forgot the $3.4 million green beans. Christ. So that is how it began okay. and then also ended in terms of the budget, but it was off to a you know, great start when the leads deem the movie too embarrassing, I think, for them to be in, and then they needed to cast new people to be in it. Mm-hmm. So some behind-the-scenes things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Coppola, this wasn't his first movie, but I guess this was the first movie that he made with this many big names. Okay. Um, and then also the first time he's working with his brother. So he knows that his brother has a tendency to be a certain way on set. <laughs> what kind of way would that be? Oh, I don't know. How about you listen to, to all our, yeah. th- th- 20 of our other podcasts? So. <laughs> Out with it, Hank. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll spoil it. Nick Cage has the craziest costume in this movie. Yeah, he does. In, any, in anything that we've seen him in so far. So apparently he just showed up to set. Are you surprised? I just want to, first of all, I don't think you're going to be surprised at what I tell you, but you're still going to be delighted in it. So I'll read this. He he showed up to set with the costume on? uh, Plus. Plus. So it says, Nick Cage came onto set dressed in a wig, albino contact lenses, and dark sunglasses because this would, he thought this would add more authenticity to the character of the two-bit hustler, Eddie. Cage was told that he could dress up however he wanted for the part by his brother, Chris Coppola. <laughs> so okay. Chris, much like many other directors, David Lynch, who called Nick like oh the jazz musician of <laughs> American film. <laughs> Did he call him that? I mean, not verbatim, but I'm, I think it was something similar to that. Wow. That actually makes a lot of sense, but keep going. 
all these directors continued to just give him free reign to do whatever, whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, and honestly, like, thank God he did because Nick was the only interesting part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that That is a really good point. And we'll discuss that as we discuss the movie in a minute. But everybody, everybody is phoning in their performance for this movie. Except Nick Cage, he's at least doing something. Everybody else is standing on their X on the floor and just saying their lines to each other. I have a really fun story about Charlie Sheen and Nick Cage that I'll oh, okay. save until we get to the part when Charlie Sheen. Okay, they don't share. On... They don't share a scene together. Oh. Unless it was left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> no, that's not what this. The article is something about that happened off screen oh okay um, well well, well then I'll, we can we can yeah, save it i'll save it uh the one last thing i wanted to say though was mm-hmm. sometimes i i do like to tr- if it exists try to find nick cage's co-stars opinions of him oh yes on yeah. set if they spoke about him at all in mm-hmm. any of their interviews and the guy joe like the lead michael bain i think is how you say michael his last bean name or bain, bain yeah b-i-e-h-n he, he's been in some pretty notable stuff he was in the terminator he plays kyle reese in the in the first terminator movie and he's also in alien or maybe aliens uh those are you know kind of two classic movies i haven't seen in a while so i i don't particularly recall his characters but he's been in some stuff in some good stuff yeah so there's an interview with him just talking about his career and mm. one of the movies that's mentioned is Deadfall. And the interviewer says, I wanted to touch upon another movie that is completely insane. It has Nick Cage's most insane performance of all time. It's the craziest <laughs> thing he's ever done and that's saying a lot. <laughs> so he says, there's a scene in the car with you and him where it looks like you're just trying to keep your composure and he's going off. So Michael being bane whatever is saying he was probably just cracking me up i need and nick at that point was just breaking and then he says this he says he was just leaving the set to go do saturday saturday night live because he had just won the oscar no no that timing doesn't work out no not at all so is he good (laughs) no he's probably just misremembering (laughs) things well he basically says that he says that was just nick cage undirected because his brother directed him and i think he just said nick do do whatever you want (laughs) i think confirmed yes confirmed by someone who has no credibility after (laughs) saying that previous fallacy um and then he says um i think that nick is best probably when he's got somebody that just holds him back a little bit um wow yeah okay so people and then he and then later he mentions that it's funny because to me i when i try to think of the name of the movie if you hadn't said deadfall or if you hadn't said what's the name of the movie that you did with nick cage and charlie sheen i I would have forgotten it wow (laughs) that's amazing so honestly really memorable i might i might forget this movie (laughs) ah man I don't know if I can ever forget some of the things that that Nick Cage, some of the things that came out of Nick Cage's mouth. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. The uh, some of the things that that he says and screams in this movie are pretty pretty choice, as we've said on this podcast before. Shocking. Oh my god. So all right, so I'll save the okay. I'll save the Charlie Sheen story for, for later. For pretty much the end, because Charlie Sheen doesn't show up until Nick Cage is out of the movie. Spoiler alert, this is the second movie that we've seen where Nick Cage dies in it. Gets killed. Well, gets killed. Yeah, he get, he yeah, he doesn't he die of natural in, causes. Yeah. Yes. In the two movies that he dies, he is murdered. He's, that is actually true. <laughs> He's two for two. I, I didn't think of it that way. So as I mentioned briefly before, so we're going to get into the meet the plot of the movie we're going to go through the plot through nick cage's eyes nick cage scene by nick cage scene so in order to understand where nick cage comes up i guess we have to talk about the convoluted way that he comes up for the first time we can i mean we can give a very brief overview of the relationships between the people but i don't think the details are necessary because honestly they don't even exist like we were confused the whole time absolutely when the movie opens, it's narrated by the main guy, and he's a con man, and his whole shtick is that people think I'm too nice to be a con man, so they don't think I'm going to con them. And there's this big con involved that's 
actually his dad is the drug dealer or oh man it's so hard to even explain but they just set someone up yeah to try to steal all of their money and some and they try to stage a drug deal gone bad and when they stage it they're not supposed to be using real bullets but he accidentally kills his dad the main guy kills his dad Yeah, he thinks he is blanks in the gun and it turns out that it's actually a loaded gun he fires the gun at his dad it's supposed to just you know right be fake right and yeah he dies right and he dies so his father's dying wish is contact my brother and get the cake (laughs) or learn about the cake i don't he's like get the cake my brother has the cake so so the main guy joe michael bean or michael bain i don't even remember he's like okay dad sure and he goes to i don't know through again convoluted means he goes to find his his uncle so his uncle is actually his twin uncle we find out in a minute but he yeah his uncle's also a con man yeah it's like he's he goes to la or somewhere i don't know where they were to begin with probably new york probably it makes no sense (laughs) and it's not what we're here for but his uncle is also like a motel or like a flea market owner or something. <laughs> I'm so confused about that. <laughs> right? So he goes, so the main guy goes to this like flea market and it's there's like, a, like an open air yeah, like market. A, yeah. What, what do you know, got? You like want to say something. But there's like a hot dog stand. Right. <laughs> there's a donut shop and like nobody's selling wares. They're just people standing around. <laughs> And they have like tents up. It makes it's so stupid. And then so he he shows up here because that's where he thinks his uncle is, and it turns out his uncle is running the place or something. And there's these people passing around a note with three numbers on it. And the main guy's like, ha, they got a nice con going here. And it's like, what are they conning? They're just passing around <laughs> nine five six what does that even mean i was thinking like could it be the lottery but that's not but like, three numbers and it's also not interesting if the if you're rigging the lottery <laughs> show us that show us the lottery office don't show us this random ass market where like two old men are playing chess and hiding the numbers in their newspaper <laughs> i have no idea what's going on in this scene anyway so the so the main guy joe sits down and who's behind him he starts asking about hey has anybody seen uncle lou and then nick cage comes out of nowhere sits behind him starts describe his appearance (laughs) so okay yeah so he's got like you said a wig it's like not a bowl cut but kind of like a shag (laughs) dark 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 hair you know brown hair with a part on one side oh yeah and it's straight oh yeah Um, it swooshes over yeah yeah it's it's a big thick full head of hair that we know Nick Cage doesn't have at <laughs> yeah. this point in his life, <laughs> or any point in his life. Yes, well, maybe in his early career. No, we saw it. <laughs> Best of times. He had he had some lush. long feathered hair. That's yeah. true. Going back to the beginning, <laughs> so he's also got this creepy mustache, which looks real. I think. I don't know. I don't Doesn't know. matter. But he's also, I think, because they don't address it, he may have gotten his teeth fixed. Either he got his teeth fixed or they had like really poor like veneers or like dentures yeah. or something in his yeah. mouth for the character. Well, and so... The whole time he's he talks... How did I, I describe like, this? He just talks through his teeth. He just talks like... Have you ever seen in some type of movie where they have just like the skeleton... Of a person, like the person's like skin melts off, and it's just the skeleton. Like that, <laughs> right? That's right. I forgot he said that. That he talks like he's somebody with his skin melted off. Because which is did... ironic. You're right. You're right. That's how he dies. I mean, he did that on purpose. We'll we'll get to his death. I don't scene think he thought that through. But yeah, he talks. He's all teeth. He just talks like a skeleton. He's like, "Hey there, friend. What are you doing today? You wanna come fly? You wanna see a card trick? Ah. Oh. Like he doesn't move his lips. He just no. moves his teeth. He's like a bad ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like Jeopardy player <laughs> like, James Holzhauer. Oh my god. He's got those teeth out. Yikes. Underbite of the century. So he's got the teeth. He's got the wig. He's got the mustache. He's got the sunglasses. Apparently he's wearing contacts that make his eyes look red. I, albino. Well, albino eyes are like they have red irises. Oh. So it's part of the genetics. He did have it. weird his eye. Eyes. Whenever he didn't have his <laughs> sunglasses on, his eyes were basically closed. So I don't know why he did it. But the other thing himself. that really gets me here is that I think, I think... He's got another prosthetic nose on. Just a little tip, a tip of his nose yeah. it is curves prosthetic, upward. which it doesn't usually do. Mm-mm. Unless he got a nose job just for this and right. then got it reverted back. <laughs> I don't know if he did or not. He's got a great look and he's always wearing like loud suits and bow ties. So he, I think in this first scene, he's wearing a really purple Miami. suit. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're in Maybe Miami. Maybe it is Miami. So this might be, you know, it's the first scene. So I guess we can bring this up now. Everybody's sweaty in this movie. <laughs> oh Everybody's dripping sweat. And they'll, pe- and they'll cut away and they'll cut back and the person's totally dry because some poor assistant producer came over with a towel and dabbed them off. And then they cut back and they cut back and they're drenched in sweat again. I forgot to, I'm going to try to look this, while you go through the plot, I'm going to try okay. to see if there's any information on why everyone was so goddamn sweaty in this movie. <laughs> like where it was filmed? Just like the conditions of the set, if anyone has, if anyone's right. mentioned this yeah. before. The, in the next scene, they actually make one offhand comment of like, Ugh, it's really hot out there, huh? Or something along those lines, <laughs> which is nothing. So Nick Cage's whole shtick in this scene and his whole shtick throughout the movie is that he's a con man, obviously, but he's the right hand man of the main guy's uncle, Uncle Lou. So he's the right hand man. And his deal is that he holds out a deck of cards and he says, Pick a card, any card. And he says, if it's a high card, I forget exactly what he says. It's like, if it's a high card, I'll tell you about myself. If it's a low card, I'll tell you about yourself. And we later find out that the entire deck is made out of jokers. So it's some weird sort of like, again, to reference Batman, it's like a two-faced thing where it's like, he's got a double-sided coin and it's like, heads, I do it, tails, you do it, but it's always heads. And it's like, it's one of those types of things, yeah. but it's just way more convoluted and stupid. And even in the first Nick Cage scene, which we see within the first 10, 20 minutes of the movie, Hannah already turns to me and she's like, the pacing of this movie is so weird. It's just so slow. And and then Nick Cage is so weird. And I think it is because everybody's just looking at each other, saying words. The only person who's actually doing something Making a choice. is Nick Cage. So my my Google search yes. for Deadfall nineteen ninety three why is everyone sweaty didn't <laughs> didn't yield any results. Oh, that, did, that didn't yield any results. <laughs> Shock, shocking no. turn of events. He, he didn't maybe try to Google where it was filmed. Was no, it filmed I, in L A. or Florida I, or? Most movies are filmed in L A. and people aren't that sweaty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I wanted to know why everyone is so sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could keep looking and we'll find out. So, because he pulls the Joker, the main guy pulls the Joker from Nick Cage's trick deck, he says, all right, I'm going to take you to your Uncle Lou. They go up to the uncle's office, and the uncle and the main guy are talking about nonsense. It doesn't matter. But Nick Cage, they show a lot of Nick Cage in this in this scene, and he takes off his glasses, and as he takes off his sunglasses, he does this really crazy rapid-fire blinking, which I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Then he goes and sits down, Nick Cage sits down, and he takes a pill of some kind. Oh, my God. <laughs> he throws it in his mouth, and then he, like, shakes he his like head convulses. around like crazy. <laughs> he convulses. What did he, didn't he do that last week in Red Rock West? Not that he took a pill, but it was... I think he took a pill or he or he took Was a, it in a his drink. car when he like hits the ceiling? Yeah, that's what it was. He was frustrated and he like shook his head around. Yeah, yeah so it's his it's his move these days apparently. Uh the movie was filmed in LA in okay. uh, October of 92. Why are they so sweaty? <laughs> oh. Everyone's sweaty. That's why I googled why are they so sweaty? All I right. knew that this wouldn't help. Maybe, maybe that was the right thing to google then. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, the, the main guy and the uncle are reconnecting and the uncle says, hey, you know what? Why don't you go out on the town with Nick Cage tonight? And he turns around and looks at Nick Cage and he does this really slow, awkward thumbs up <laughs> and a big toothy smile. And Joe's just like, yeah, all right, sounds good. Like, why would he ever agree to that? Nick Cage is clearly insane. Yes. And then as, Unhinged. <laughs> as the scene ends for no reason at all. Nick Cage grips the arm of the couch he's in. Was this before or after the camera focused on the water cooler? Oh, well, I'll mention that in a second. Let me finish my thought. But he grips he grips the couch, the arm of the couch, and it just plays this crazy screeching violin type suspense music. Like, like that. But just not the da-da leading up. Just the as he grips the couch. And then it just goes away. Like, it wasn't a suspenseful moment. <laughs> no. And between that and what Hannah just mentioned, where at one point Uncle Lou says, hey, <laughs> get Joe a glass of water for me, would you? And they're talking. They're having a conversation. And then the camera focuses on the water cooler. And as it kind of goes, bloop. And, like, and nothing else is in focus. And it's kind of at this moment where we realize that it's pretty rare to notice, as an average moviegoer, it's pretty rare to notice when a movie is poorly directed. And this movie is poorly directed. Definitely. I feel like a, a lay person, I guess you can call it, or just you know someone who's yeah. not in the industry can typically notice when an actor is doing a bad job. Right. But it's it, knowing when a director is doing a bad job, that means they must be doing a horrible job. There are other scenes later in this movie that don't include Nick Cage, so I wasn't going to touch on it. But now that I think about it, like the lead actor will be lying down in bed or something, and there's just a lamp in front of his face <laughs> as he's saying something. And you're like, dude, like that's your lead. Move the lamp. Or move the camera. Or move the camera. There's there's a lot of... Or move the lead. Yeah, there's a lot of really weird camera placements, which is fine, I guess. But then also, like, the sound is really off for this movie. There are a couple of scenes where you can clearly see someone's mouth moving oh, and they're right. saying something else. Actually, if it... There's plenty of compilation videos of Nick Cage freaking oh, yeah. out in this movie, and there are a few which we'll get to, and I'll mention exactly when they are, so that if you decide to just watch the compilation, you'll notice that the audio and the visual don't match up. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so speaking of the director, what I noticed is, do you remember the old, I think it was on Nickelodeon, maybe Disney Channel, 100 Good Deeds for Eddie McDowd? Sounds familiar. It was a, a Did he direct that? He directed like six episodes of that show. <laughs> it was a show about a bully who got turned into a dog. Yes. <laughs> and then like only one, only the kid that he bullied could understand him and he had to do 100 good deeds. Yeah, I remember And this. to be turned back into a boy. Wow. Yeah. So he directed that. Chris Coppola. Chris Coppola. <laughs> the guy. Changing the world. Puts lamps in front of his actor's faces for no reason Let's whatsoever. Let's brother do whatever he wants. Ugh. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to blame him for what Nick does. But anyway, so he's like, yeah, you know, let's go out on the town together. Nick Cage, who gives the awkward thumbs up, and the main guy, Joe. So they cut to, they're in Nick Cage's car. He's changed his suit. He's in a bright white suit with a great bow tie, looking fresh. And they're driving along, and they're going to pick up Nick Cage's girlfriend, who is... The female lead, which you mentioned a second ago, and she she'll come up a lot, and you know they have a quick conversation. Hey, this is Diane, and uh, you know gives her he Nick Cage gives her some flowers, and they all get in the car, and the car won't start, so he's kind of like ring 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 ring, and then he yells his first great yell, which I'll insert here, and it's fucking fucking fuck. And after that, after he does that that you know good, it's a good yell, it's a good scream. Mm-hmm. He takes his, I believe it's his right arm, and he just lassos in the air. <laughs> he just does that ride that pony in the air like, woohoo. He doesn't say anything. He just does that as he drives away. Fantastic. <laughs> making choices Absolutely. early on. Again, so he's making choices. He's the only one. The other two are just standing there saying This movie words. is actually one narrated. This movie is narrated by the main character. Oh, also, yeah. Who is the supposed to be the protagonist. And... Mm-hmm. So we hear his voice for most of it, and it's he's just not likable. No, 
No, he's, and he's not making choices. I don't, so it's really boring. I don't think he's unlikable, but he's not likable. No. He's just nothing. He's just nothing. <laughs> to, I'm not rooting for him. To to borrow one of my favorite quotes, if he were if he were a spice, he'd be flour. Oh yeah. That's how boring he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Bob's burgers. Anyhow. So they decide while they're in the car or on their way out that they're going to do a pigeon drop, they call it, which is a con where the girl's going to leave a necklace behind and then they say, hey, I'll give you, a, oh, I lost the necklace. Let me give you 500 bucks for it. If you find it, there's a $500 reward. And then somebody else comes in and say, finds the necklace and is like, hey, why don't you give me $200? So it's like, hey, I just made 300 bucks by finding this necklace. They do the same thing in Zombieland. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. You've never seen the movie, but it's a pretty common scam, I guess. Anyhow, they go to a bar and they do this, but Nick Cage is, of course... And it's costume jewelry. Like, it's a fake, yeah. it's a fake necklace. Or yeah. So not, not even worth the $200. Nah, I wouldn't think so. That's yeah. that's probably part of the point. Yeah. But so they get to the bar, and Nick Cage is... I guess he's trying to show that he's good for the money, so he pulls out his money, and he starts counting the money really weird. He's, like, shaking his head as he's counting mm. money, mm-hmm. as he's trying to buy a drink for his girl, which he's doing in a French accent, saying things like, oh, I, will have, yeah, I will have a <laughs> bottle of your final champagne. <laughs> so He makes a few references to France. <laughs> yeah, he does. He makes a really great one later. But he does, he's just doing this weird voice. He's so weird. And he, I've just never seen anything like this. You had me write down something he said, which was he, the girl says something like, oh, can you give me a drink? And he's like, you got it, baba. <laughs> you got it, baba. <laughs> baba. Baba. And he does this, when he comes back in for the con, he does this really weird fake crying, but it's kind of like, well, he should be fake crying, but he should be a good con man. But I I don't know. It's it's really dumb. This this is this scene isn't the best scene. We'll, we're we're kind of just getting through some of these to get to the real good scenes. Then they get back into the car, the three of them, and they go to a convenience store. And he's like, "I'm gonna go get some gum because that's just a weird thing to do." And he comes back out after a boring conversation, and he starts kissing the girl, and he's basically eating her. Yes, thank you. He's consuming her. His entirely. mouth is. <laughs> All over this poor woman. His jaw unhinges and his yeah. mouth releases Consumes. itself all over her head. Just top down. You can't see the hand motions Hannah's doing, but it's top down. He unhinges his jaw and just goes top down. He goes, ah. But so he also does this weird thing. He probably shouldn't be taking a sip of water <laughs> because he does this weird thing several times in the movie. Where he, when he talks to women, he calls them <laughs> mame, mame, mame. We go home soon, mame. The girl's like, I'm bored. Mame, mame. We go home soon, mame. <laughs> and I don't even know what this means, but I wrote down he's obviously not talking to anyone. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I, I wrote remember. it down. Anyway, so they decide to this make is, this movie was a sensory overload. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Because they really too many stimuli. Only Nick Cage. (laughs) Yeah, they really dull your senses in the first twenty minutes with no Nick Cage, and then they overstimulate your senses. So they decide to make one more stop at the strip club. So he walks into the strip club and he does this kind of weird MC Hammer walk and point. As like my dude, yeah, he's pointing to everyone. Yeah, he's like my dude. Who's not pointing back at him? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) He orders a beer and he just slams the beer. And what they're doing there is that there's this kind of big bouncer guy, right? Sorry, I just remembered the other scene that he's at the strip club. Oh my God, that scene. We'll get to it in a minute. because So Nick Cage is not the lead. So he's not in every scene. So we're already halfway through the Nick Cage scenes. But So <laughs> they're at the strip club for a reason. And that's because there's this big bouncer guy who's surrounded by all these bodyguards and women at the strip club who owes Uncle Lou $1,500. So Nick Cage says to the main guy, he's like, hey, go get the money from him for me, <laughs> if you would, please. And he gets back in the car 
and meets up with the girl and he's like ah that guy he's 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 nick never cage gets back in the nick car. cage gets back in the car he's like ah that guy's that guy's never gonna get the money that guy's a, a hard ass and he starts he pulls out a little bottle i i'm guessing there's crack or uh, oh, yeah. coke in there in a little bottle Something. and he starts sniffing it through his prosthetic nose <laughs> and he starts laughing like crazy like men- like maniacally maniacally <laughs> And then the main guy comes out of the strip club and he's like, hey, I got the money right here and like throws it aside. So this guy must be some kind of amazing con artist, right? Okay, I have to touch on something that happens that's not a Nick Cage scene. Well, everyone in that strip club was also incredibly sweaty. (laughs) Oh my God. The place was, they were like ankle deep in sweat at this strip club. There was an inch of sweat on the floor. (laughs) Everyone was sweating. And then again, like you'd look at the big bouncer, the big dude, and he'd be drenched in sweat. They pan over and then they pan back and it's like he's dabbed off. (laughs) They pan over and pan back and he's drenched again. And it's like, it's clearly they did, you know, two takes or something, I guess. October in Los Angeles. I guess it's that hot. But the scene I want to touch on is they drop off the main dude, right? After their night out. And then the main dude is like, ah, I want to find out more about my uncle. Why didn't I know about my uncle? He comes, he goes rooting through his uncle's office for no more than five minutes, goes into his hotel room, and who's meeting him in his hotel room but Diane, the main girl. She's changed. Her hair is completely different. She's wearing like a veil and sunglasses. <laughs> And she's just waiting in his room like, girl, when did you have time to change your hairstyle? And they hook yeah, up. Yeah, she yeah, she had straight hair before yeah. and then her hair was curled. It was curled. Girls. <laughs> Girls. How long does it take to curl your hair? I guess it's, and maybe it's, it's a, a wig. It takes a, no, it wasn't because she let it down. Yeah. But even like when did she have time to change? I don't Nick know. Cage had to go drop her off at home. She had to change, change her hair find some way back to the motel that he's staying at and then i don't know anyway plot holes plot holes it doesn't matter (laughs) i i totally forgot about that part until just now the part i wanted to mention was that after a short conversation the main guy and the girl hook up and they start having sex (laughs) and it is the most boring It is the most awkward, uncomfortable, boring. But also graphic. So graphic. I mean, you don't see anything like... You see your boobs. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't see like, you know, anything below the belt. No, no. But This but... isn't what was that softcore porn that we watched. Oh, Zandaly. Zandaly. Yeah, the, with the NC-17 rating. It was just uncomfortable, the whole thing. And it went on for like five straight minutes, this sex scene. <laughs> it was really awkward. It was brutal. <laughs> Anyhow. So the next time we see Nick Cage is he's back at the strip club, which you just referenced oh, a second yes. ago. And I love this scene. He's sitting, you know, in the at, front the, row, in front of the stage, and he's and he's holding his beer weird, and he's chugging. He's it holding with... his beer like a baby would hold a bottle, right? And he's chugging the beer like a baby would chug a like a milk bottle, right? And he's doing this weird thing with his hand. He's like, like he's making a fishy, like fishy swim kind of yeah motion. And he's going, mummy, mummy, all summer long, mummy. But then. I don't know if, because the big dude approaches him in this scene, and I forget if it's before or after the big dude approaches him, and I don't think it matters, but he yells something. Incomprehensible. Totally incomprehensible. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, I guess we'll insert it here if we can find it. But Yeah, it's, I think we can find it. But it's like, well, here's the same fucking pick and pop. What's it gonna take to buck a duck a buck a duck a buck a buck a duck? <laughs> and he does that like twice. I have no idea what he says. We we round this thing a million times. <laughs> six to, like six <laughs> you could. <laughs> oh my god. So then the big dude comes over and the big dude's like, Hey, I never I never paid that guy to pay your uncle. I never paid him. So Nick Cage is like, ah, oh, he used his own money to try to prove how great of a con man he is, which upsets Nick Cage greatly. So he starts <laughs> 
He starts yelling more indiscriminate things. He picks up a, somebody's glass at the drinking, throws it in their face. The guy does not react because nobody else acts in this movie other than Nick Cage. But also probably because that wasn't in the script. He probably just went off and just did whatever he wanted. Right, but you would think that like the, a good director would be like, okay, great. I love your passion. Let's reset and do it again. Hey, random ass extra, throw up your hands or something. Don't just react. sit there. But no. So after he throws the drink, he just walks a little bit more, I guess, upstage or towards the camera. With a weird camera angle. With a weird camera angle. He throws his hands out like a Christ figure and he just goes, Fuck! Like it is the longest fuck in the world. And then somebody comes up, I guess because he's making a big scene, and he throws him to the ground and he yells, <laughs> fantastic just wonderful this scene we rewound we rewound this scene a few times yeah we did we went back to some of these major scenes a handful of times okay so what happens next do you remember what happens next no do you want to know why because it is the weirdest thing (laughs) it's not the weirdest thing but inexplicably there is a man with a fake mustache (laughs) or i'm sorry a fake beard who you called at first a poor man's Patrick Swayze. Doesn't look anything like Patrick Swayze. You meant to say Pierce Brosnan. Still doesn't look like Pierce Brosnan. With a beard. But this guy has been following the main guy in Nick Cage all movie. And just kind of in the background. And not explained. So he approaches Nick Cage in an alley. And he start, he tries to strangle Nick Cage. But, and then there's a fight. There's another scream in here. but it's But it's pretty like... Uh, justifiable like, get off of me or something yeah and he says who sent you ah who sent you yeah. I'm not even I probably won't even insert it because it's kind not of a justifiable it, yeah. screen and he pulls off the guy's fake beard and it's no reveal <laughs> we don't know who this man no. is and he goes who sent you and he's like Sam <laughs> and we're like okay who's Sam <laughs> we don't know who that is so we look on IMDB uh-huh. in the cast and Talia Shire plays Sam. Who's related to Nick Cage and Chris Talia Coppola. Shire is... Cousin? Sister? I think sister of Francis Ford. Oh. She's a Coppola. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. Do you know who her, ki- who her kids are? No. Jason Schwartzman. Oh. I forgot that they were related. Oh, yeah. And she's Adrian in Rocky. Oh. That's kind of like her main claim to fame, I would assume. Not this shit. Well, she's not even... So what I was going to say is she's not... Oh, yeah, she's the sister of uh, Francis Ford. Okay. But she's... I don't think she's in this movie. No, she never made an appearance. No. <laughs> I remember, We were like, okay, so I guess we looked it up and we were like, okay, well, Talia Shire plays... Sam. Sam. And she never showed up and nobody named Sam ever showed up. <laughs> also, by the way... The guy that he fights and inevitably kills after he finds out that Sam sent him. He oh he eats good in plenties. Yeah. Like that's his thing is he's got a fake beard and eats good in plenties. Like what what is this movie? I don't know. But when he falls and dies, the camera angles like behind his head and you see where Nick Cage sliced his throat open and the blood's pouring out and the good and plenties are flowing with the blood. Ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful it's poetic all right so nick cage is upset that somebody tried to kill him <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop drinking water during this podcast <laughs> okay i'm good now all right this scene is we might have to insert the almost the entire scene <sighs> this is something he bursts into either a hotel room or his own bedroom or his or diane's bedroom i think it was diane's house right i guess I don't know. It's not explained, (laughs) nor does it matter. But he bursts in, and he's wearing sunglasses, and it's nighttime. He's just always wearing sunglasses. And here are some great yells, some great screams. Somebody's trying to kill me, man! And then the girl says, who? Who's trying to kill you? And he's trying to put his jacket away, and there's like a hanger that flies away. And he goes... Like the hangers are trying to kill him, makes no sense. And he's like, "Calm down." Like, and he and then he yells, "Shut up! 
Shut the fuck up, man! And he is crying and he's hysterical and he's writhing and he notices that there's a, a half a cigar like burn out in her room and he's like, oh, I didn't know you smoked cigars. Who's this? And there's a very iconic shot of him looking at the camera, essentially, where he sticks his tongue out and makes kind of like a weird, like, I, I don't know how it's to like, describe Ugh. the face. Yeah. Ugh. It's probably going to be, it's definitely going to be the picture that I post on our Instagram for, Ooh, for this podcast. Love that. So, love that for you guys. Yes. So he does that. Then he jumps on the bed. And again, starts oh writhing God. around and starts banging the bed like and a starts writhing. Child having yes. a tantrum. Then he starts crying and yelling to the girl. What am I a fucking retard, man? Am I a fucking retard? Oh, I know what this is. You're trying to stop me out because of this crazy little nephew being around. Well, vive la fucking friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I was the last person you were playing on scene tonight! And he charges the girl who points a gun at him. And she's like, don't say anything and leave. And he leaves or something. This is where he talks about France again. Yeah. So he's like, champagne. Viva la fucking France, man. (laughs) Fantastic. Wow. So he goes back to, or he goes to Lou's office, Uncle Lou. And Sorry, I just can't. I can't shake the fact that this man won an Academy Award. Not for this Not performance. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. And but this this is... Oh with God. a better director and a better world around him, I would believe him as this coked up psychopath. Yeah. Because that's what he is. Yeah. But nobody else around him is no. acting. No. And the director is clearly not directing. <laughs> Because even right when this scene starts, nothing makes in, sense. in the bedroom, the camera is like way up in the corner, and he does this it's like kind a, of. It's like a security cam. Yeah, it's like this weird stance he does in the beginning of the scene, and most of what's shot here is like empty space. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense from a directing standpoint, and I've never directed anything. I know it's probably difficult, but still, man. He had more money than what he used. <laughs> they were going to give him $10 million. <laughs> they gave him $3 million, and which he didn't is even too use much. All of it. Anyway, he goes to Uncle Lou's office, and he's got some more great, great screams here. He basically, you know, he thinks Lou's trying to kill him, so he's trying to get back at, at Lou. And let's see, right when Lou walks into the, to the room... He starts yelling. It's a crazy fucking world we live in. Captain Jack! Inexplicably calls him (laughs) Captain Jack. And then he goes. You filthy double-crossing little fucking filthy double-crossing filthy fucking goddamn fucking filthy little brat! There it is. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure the line was just, you filthy fucking little rat. Yeah, he, he ran with it for sure. So, <laughs> the, the Uncle Lou says something back to him, and he pulls out the deck of cards, and he, and he yells again. Just show me the fucking Joker. Uncle Lou says another thing, and he goes, Well, holla fucking Lou, you man! The Joker's wild! If you remember that one. Yeah, I do. Mm. And then he starts yelling again about, Well, who's sitting behind your fucking desk now? Me! And Uncle Lou starts talking, and he starts in a sing-songy, high-pitched voice. He starts saying, "Bullshit, bullshit." <laughs> and then he says, "It's a, all just so weird." Yeah. And then he says another incomprehensible thing, something like, "I'll show you a fucking hothead." <laughs> There's just too much. There's too much in this scene. In this movie. Then he takes Uncle Lou out to the market or something. Yeah, wherever. Where there's a hot dog stand and a donut shop. (laughs) Fires up the frying machine or the the hot oil. And he starts yelling for no reason. You want to fuck? We fuck now. It's Uncle Lou who's tied up and gagged. And then... And then Joe comes out of nowhere and tackles Nick Cage, and they have a tussle. 
and that's and Joe pulls off Nick Cage's wig. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay, so it's a wig. It didn't have to be a wig. Like no. it could have just been his hair. It doesn't matter. And there's a tussle. His hair underneath looked bad though. Oh yeah. But it was kind of supposed to, I guess. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, they're fighting. And then Joe dunks Nick Cage's face in the fryer and he and dies. They probably used all of their budget for the makeup oh, to maybe. make Nick Cage's face look like it melted off. Yeah, so he dies, and we paused, and we were like, oh, wow, he died, okay. And there's still, like, half a movie left, <laughs> and it's just this boring con that they design. Uh, it's, like, the worst, like, form of a heist the, or something. dude with the, <laughs> like, po- steampunk scene. Oh, my God, oh, I totally forgot. Oh, we have to get to Charlie forgot. Sheen. That's so, steampunk it, Part of the con is that they need to get to this <laughs> to this steampunk guy that Hannah just mentioned, who's this old man, Doctor Doctor Lime, who's got a claw for a hand, but it's no, not it's scissors. But it's like scissors, but they're like bugs wings. <laughs> also, they're designed like a like a praying mantis's wings, or something, and he starts snapping it's at people. It's literally steampunk. And then, yeah, and then there's what was the other movie we watched where whatever the mob boss was just constantly has a woman massaging his shoulders because oh, yeah. that's the height of power in the early 90s is to just have an attractive woman massage your shoulders all day. Oh so in order to get to him, you know, you got to get through Mr. Grip. Charlie Sheen. Who's Charlie Sheen? <laughs> who's this pool shark or something? So he goes into the billiards. He's good though. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he's Charlie Sheen. He's he's in one scene, but it's just like racing with the moon, if if you recall, where there's just this unnecessarily <laughs> oh <my> long God. <laughs> billiard scene. But at least in racing with the moon, we understood the game that they were playing. <laughs> yeah, they were playing pool. What the fuck were they playing? I it said on it's IMDb three ball something three ball shanty or three ball janky or something <laughs> like that, but they never explain the rules. No, they just assume that the audience is like equipped with that knowledge. Right. No <laughs> this idea. obscure game of pool. They're explaining every little thing about the con this entire movie via but narration. They neglect to explain like one of the biggest parts of the con. I guess like the. The cue ball has to hit both of... There's only three balls on the table. Yeah, and they're not just hitting the white ball, the yeah, he, cue ball. They're hitting, like, the yeah. colored balls. Like, I thought you weren't... I thought that was taboo. It like, you weren't supposed it doesn't, to do. It doesn't matter. It makes <laughs> no, sense. No, it definitely doesn't matter. But, so that's the that's the Charlie Sheen seed. So if you want to relay your yeah, story... Yeah, I'm looking for it. Okay. Here it is. Title of the article. It's Interview Magazine. Okay. Title of the article. Obvious history. Nicolas Cage almost sent Charlie Sheen to jail. No. Okay. And attached to the article is an interview of Nick Cage on Letterman that I watched from a lot later. I think it was mm. right after he filmed Ghost Rider. Oh, my God. Yeah. But so that's like 2000s. Like, yeah. So I did fast forward through this interview to get to where i wanted it to be but he pretty much speaks through this entire article and validates that this actually happened but mm. the one thing that he mentions in the letterman interview and not in this article is that charlie sheen always calls women girlfriends goddesses i don't know if you remember this <laughs> oh i remember from his tiger blood days do you remember where, do you know where he got that from? Oh my God. Did he get that from Nick Cage? <laughs> yeah. Nick Cage. Oh, they were. So this whole story starts on a, an airplane on a flight from like San Francisco to LA or something. Okay. And he, Nick Cage called the uh, flight attendant a goddess. Wow. And that's where Charlie Sheen got the inspiration to just begin calling women goddesses. I have so many <laughs> thoughts. Was it, were they on the same plane for this movie? Or was it just, is this just it about the relationship? Okay, okay. It doesn't say. So also a few weeks ago, I called you a goddess on this very podcast for making me French toast. So maybe Nick Cage is So you got that from it. Charlie Sheen. Who, who got, got that, that from, from Nick, Nick Cage? Cage? Small world. <laughs> so anyway, Nick Cage wanted to prank his bro, Charlie. Mm-hmm. So he decided that he was going to, on this airline on this mm-hmm. jet that had passengers on it it's not like a private jet like, <laughs> okay. this is a commercial flight from uh-huh. san francisco to la nick cage decided that he was going to get on the 
PA system on the on the loudspeaker, oh pretend to be the pilot, oh my god, and say that he wasn't feeling well and that the plane might crash. Oh my god, why? That's so wrong. So Charlie Sheen freaked out and was high as a kite, and wow. also had a like an eight ball of cocaine <laughs> wrapped around his ankle. Wow. So when they were searched by the police after they landed yeah like they were like oh you're high like and, and nick cage was like it's not his fault and they like very narrowly avoided airport why jail. did the police search charlie sheen because he they were together out. oh they were together yeah okay they were they're friends gotcha um of course they're friends yeah <laughs> or were friends i don't know if they're still no friends. i think they're still friends okay yeah the pilot was very upset <laughs> understandably i'm just duh <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, a great six, story. Six armed police officers took them away. Wow. And he, uh, the first thing, at, so Nick admits that the first thing he said was he pointed at his friend Charlie and he said, I want to let you all know that he had nothing to do with this. This was all me. So very okay. noble, taking I, all the blame I for guess. something that he did. <laughs> I guess. What an idiot. I know. Anyway. It's like thinking that rules don't apply to you because you're rich and famous and from a famous family famous family but you're avoiding nepotism by changing your name anyway anyway and you're in your brother's movie now right continue nepotism (laughs) anyway the movie nepotism it gets the best of us i guess so like i said he's like 50 percent for getting roles via nepotism so Anyway, the movie ends and it turns out that the main guy's father wasn't really dead and he orchestrated this really long con and the girl wasn't really interested in the main guy. She was only doing it for the money, but she felt a little bad about it. But apparently she looked a lot like her mother or his mother. So she dressed up like his mother (laughs) in the only photo that he has of his mother for no reason at all. It might be Talia Shire. It, yeah, like it might be Talia Shire, and then it she turns, ar- and then she turns around, and it's the girl that was in that awkward sex scene. And Diane. then, yeah, <laughs> and then there's this showdown between the father and the son, the main guy, on a merry-go-round. Right. Like, where are they? <laughs> L.A. Because they were at the motel, and then they go into a storage unit or something, and there's just a merry, a, a functioning merry-go-round in there. And then he's like, you know, look at all this money. We can split it between the two of us, son. And he's like, this isn't about money. And he steals the the briefcase, briefcase and dumps it out. And On then, the merry-go-round. And then just walks away. So the away. movie ends with the father, like, frantically picking up all of the money while on a merry-go-round. So the father got away with it. The son gets nothing for his trouble. Nick Cage dies. Nick Cage dies. The uncle dies. We're all worse for watching this movie. <laughs> And then the yeah, and then the credits just roll like there's no resolution. <laughs> so bad. This movie was horrid. Yeah, it had a zero steam. Horrid. So apparently they did an episode of the much more successful podcast than ours. How did this get made? Yep. Yeah. I yeah. I, I didn't listen to the podcast, yeah. but uh, they those guys are great. So also, there's a movie that Nick Cage makes in the future, which is our past but in the future compared to 93 oh yeah it was like 2014 arsenal is the name of the movie where apparently he reprises this role (laughs) that that blew me away that little tidbit (laughs) because you told me this yesterday when we watched the movie that might have broken me in a similar way that valley girl broke me and peggy sue (laughs) broke you how does he make a sequel to this how does anybody make a sequel to this i don't think it's a sequel i think that it's just he reprises this role like 20 years later yeah how dumb is that (laughs) christ no one asked for that no okay closing thoughts oh would you ever watch this movie again this movie deserved a zero it yeah did it deserve a zero yeah okay would you ever watch it again would i'll watch rec- some of this like some of the freaking out scenes sure. but i wouldn't like the rest of the movie is so bad <laughs> i don't want to see it yeah. again would you ever recommend it to somebody yeah i think so as just, a, just as the a bad scenes. movie oh as a, yeah as a bad movie yeah is this the worst movie you've ever seen no excluding industrial symphony 
Um, and excluding our love for the cagey moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This it, is up there for me. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. But yeah. I feel like I've seen worse. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, should we do some awards? <laughs> Let's go. This for is it. gonna be tough. Oh man. Okay. First of all, best supporting actor. Um, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Yeah, either Charlie Sheen or that Mr. Doctor Lime. <laughs> Why did he have a claw? Why did he have the weirdest like scissor hands? Captain, it was Edward Scissorhands meets Captain Hook. Why? With like a steampunk bug aesthetic, and he was dressed like Doctor Evil. I mean, Doctor Evil didn't exist and then yet. All but... Like his bitches were all dressed in like a weird steampunk way. And every single one of his henchmen, including Charlie Sheen, had one fingernail that was longer than the others (laughs) for no reason. I can't give best supporting to that guy. It's Charlie Sheen or it's the big bouncer guy who you said was like, he was pretty good. Yeah. I think we should give it to Charlie Sheen just because he's the bigger name. No, I think we should just give it to the sweat on everyone's forehead. We're so sweaty. That's who the best supporting actors <laughs> <Okay>. were. Fine. <laughs> the sweat Fine. dripping down everyone's forehead. Fine. His best dress scene was it the white suit? Mm. He had a bow tie and a cummerbund. Yeah, he he did. I forgot the cummerbund was very tasteful. With that mustache and sunglasses, just yeah, really I liked good. That. Okay. Worst scene. Probably the pigeon whatever yeah in the bar with the pigeon drop drop their, yeah their con yeah with the bracelet yeah yeah that one was really nothing there were a few scenes like in the car that were also nothing but i think they were too small to be considered worst scene i think you yeah know, it when you have such amazing scenes either that or the first time that he's in the office <laughs> i like that scene <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid okay and then the pigeon drop all right all right I, I'm, I'm good with that the best scene oh, is God. it the hotel room or is it the confrontation at the office it's got to be between those two right oh i was also gonna say in the strip club <sighs> i think best scene is the hotel room i i think so too i think that is just the iconic scene yeah from this movie yeah. and we have to give it to that yeah he, okay he <laughs> has a tantrum on a bed oh my god it's <laughs> insanity just google and youtube that that scene it's it's nuts just I, I think that there's a video on youtube of it's just a compilation of him freaking out in this movie from so this just, movie just yeah. look it up mm-hmm. like don't watch this movie no <laughs> no <laughs> just look that up you'll get it yeah okay uh that was um best Best scene scene. best best scream so all right fuck lasts for so long that fuck in the strip club (laughs) fuck that i didn't that came out weirder than i had to (laughs) but and then it's followed immediately by high fucking yeah which is good but we just gave that oh no yeah we didn't give yeah i want that you want that over his tantrums well, we gave that to best scene, so I don't want to give any of those screams. Yeah, but he does another tantrum. When? In the in the office. You fucking little fucking little. Yeah, you filthy little fucking little filthy little fucking little man. Or uh, it's a crazy fucking world we live in, Captain Jack. Or well, how the fucking new ya, man? Joker's wild. No, it's fucking high fucking ya. I think that long fuck. All right. The long I, fuck. I think you may have you may have convinced me. Are you me. kidding? It has to be that. <sighs> okay. That's iconic. Not the wanna fuck. <laughs> we fuck now. <laughs> no, that's nouveau shamanic. <laughs> no, I don't think that's nouveau shamanic. There's gonna be a lot in the running. Okay. So <laughs> I went through and highlighted certain things on my notes here that could be considered nouveau shamanic. Let's just start at the top. Mummy. Oh my god, him saying mummy. I didn't even highlight, but you're right, is is up there. He lassos the air after he shouts that first time. He That first scene of him in Uncle Lou's <laughs> office, there's so many nouveau shamanic moments in there between him taking the pill and shaking his head. I like when he sn- snorts from the bottle. Yeah, and the does car. that crazy laugh. 
when he eats the woman's face. <laughs> is it is it his hand motions in the mummy mummy? That's probably it. I think I think that's it. Honestly, I looking at my notes here. I don't see anything else uh, unless it's the writhing on the bed. No, it's oh my god. There's so much. I think. So he's got his... Or, or him being like, you want to fuck? We fuck now. Yeah, but that could be the script. <laughs> I it's... can't imagine that that was in the script. <laughs> it's probably not, but it could be. Uh, or the line where he's like, filthy little fucking fucking little filthy fucking little fucking little rat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are all great lines, but I feel like... Oh, yeah, Nouveau Shamanic. It's Nouveau Shamanic, so we've got to include something that's more about his motions. Mm-hmm. And so he's got the beer bottle like a baby bottle in one yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's and the that. other hand, he's doing mommy, this... Mommy, <laughs> awesome along, mommy. He's going, awesome along, mommy, mommy. I, I think that's the most Nouveau Shamanic it's moment. Incredible. And then he turns and yells, <laughs> baka, 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 baka. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. Okay. Wow. Now we have <laughs> What to, a ride. Now we have to figure out where we're ranking this movie. I think it's near the top. Okay. I I so we're going we're doing it ha- this-, this is just about his performance. Right. This is not about the movie. <laughs> is this second to Vampire's, Vampire's Kiss? Kiss? Is I think this so. first? Oof. I don't think so because he's not the lead. Yeah. And it's the same with Racing with the Moon. He's not the lead, but he's cagey. But I think he's way oh, cagier in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is above Racing with the Moon. Okay. Yeah. So second, it's second. second. Wow. This movie was Guys. horrible. <laughs> Deadfall. Deadfall. 90, 93. The deed is done. Oh, my God. So next week, <laughs> we are watching Guarding Tess, which oh my looks God. horrible. <laughs> He plays a Secret Service agent or something, and yeah. I think it's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. Looks terrible. But she loves comedies, remember? Yeah, he's like, oh, I want to make people laugh more or something. I don't know. Oof. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, this was a long podcast. I think we warned people last week, so. All righty. My goodness. How do you feel after that? Terrible. I feel dirty. <laughs> like I need a shower. <laughs> do you know how I feel? I think I can figure it out, but it's going to be weirdly worded. I feel like I know why the Nick Cage bird sings. And now you know as well. <laughs> the listening audience and our studio audience behind our the glass. behind the glass. <laughs> the Joe Goldberg glass. Yes. All right. Now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. <laughs>